Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today is a momentous day for fitness enthusiasts down south because Alabama has lifted its ban on yoga in public schools. A ban that had been in place for nearly 30 years. 30 years! also known as the amount of time it takes my hips to regain feeling after pigeon pose. I don't know the pigeon pose. This appears to be true. Alabama lifts a 27-year ban on teaching yoga in public schools. Was it seen like the work of the devil or an alternate religion or something at one time? It has its its origins in Hinduism, I think. Yeah, I think it was uh, alternate religion-based. Yeah, they're a little sensitive about that in the fundamentalist South. Boy, disclose. Uh, uh, Sean hipped me to disclose.tv as a Twitter follow. They really are good if you want. Uh, I really like their stuff. Never heard of them. Anyway, I they, got, they got a couple of headlines uh, going today uh, pointing out the Washington Post, and they put suddenly in quotes. Washington Post suddenly goes full throttle in reverse, but leaves out all the contradictory indicators in their timeline that supported the Wuhan lab theory during 2020 already. So Glenn Kessler, the fact checker at the Washington Post, he he started this whole fact checking craze and he tried really hard to be a good fact checker all the years. I didn't always agree with him, but I thought he did a fairly good job. Now, most fact checking is just crap. It's just crap. But no, it's opinion. Um, uh, he's got a timeline how the Wuhan lab theory suddenly became credible. And, and uh, as Disclose.tv points out, what do you mean suddenly? There's been a lot of information all through 2020 that the lab theory was the most likely way that the coronavirus struck the world. It leaked out of that Wuhan lab, so it's, it's not And y'all suddenly. shouted it down. And then this just in from Disclose.tv, because I don't watch CNN ever, and especially not while I'm on the air. Um, just in, CNN blames former President Trump for failure to seriously consider the Wuhan lab theory. Whoa! 
Wow. Now, now we're standing things on their head. Yeah, Trump uh, didn't take the Wuhan lab theory seriously. What? I have I have called for and will continue to call for retiring the term gaslighting for the rest of our lives. But that is actually gaslighting. That is well, it, it will. It's out and out lying. It, that's bizarre. God, we are in a post-truth world. For CNN to claim that, that's astonishing. Well, so, you know, the blathering on cable news shows nobody watches aside, um, everybody seems to be coming around to the idea, suddenly, uh, as the Washington Post said, that, yeah, it most likely leaked out of this lab. Um, They weren't, there's no evidence they were trying to create a bioweapon and did it on purpose or anything like that. But their sloppiness allowed it to get out. And it's the worst man-made disaster in the history of the world. And China should pay a price for that in terms of the way people look at the country. They had a chance to jump on this thing right away, and they didn't. And it has cost the world so far $26 trillion, well over a billion children that haven't been educated for a year, millions of deaths. And, and you millions, know, perhaps more to come. And that just scratches the surface of the way it has uh, disrupted life for people all around the world. Right, right. So the Wall Street Journal did a great job yesterday of uh, of detailing why the lab leak theory is legitimate. And they also list all sorts of eminent experts who were part of some of those incredibly premature statements of last year where they said, no, it didn't leak. It occurred naturally and leapt to humans, probably in that, that wet market. They, a bunch of virologists and experts said that crazy early in this process well now a bunch of them have turned 180 degrees and said i was wrong or i've rethought it or i've seen more evidence and they are absolutely reversing field on that and uh and it's pointed out that the wuhan institute of virology is one of two labs that messes with viruses in wuhan the other is only a level two lab and they think there may have been some studies of uh the coronavirus uh, the uh covid19 there which is just shocking sloppiness. And then the Wall Street Journal today has a a long piece about this abandoned mine in southwest China, a disused copper mine that uh, is swarming with bats and the rest of it, and a bunch of guys who were working there got mysterious illness, and three of them died, et cetera, et cetera. But that mine is now ringed with federal authorities who won't let anybody near it and, and it's not like, no, you, you got to be careful. It's an abandoned mine. No, it's no pictures. One journalist rode his bike there. They made him delete all of his pictures. And and I, I meant to mention uh, yesterday, in yesterday's Wall Street Journal piece, they also detailed that the Chinese have not released any lab logs, any records from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, any uh, personnel files, anything. They have locked it all away. It's clearly a cover-up. Obviously, yeah. How how does the world let China get away with this? And the Washington Post just today coming up with the, suddenly people are believing this theory. What are you talking about? All the indications are there, including the cover-up. Is this audio worth hearing, Sean, do you think? Okay. He's going to have it in a second, though, what what CNN had to say about this. Because a lot of the theories aren't. I I think this is absolutely true. Um, Because Trump claimed it came from China and was calling it the China virus, and everybody went, everybody who hated Trump went nuts over it, that's why it was discounted. And right. that, that's it. I mean, it's that silly reason. That'll be lost to history. History books won't include that. 
50, 75, 100 years from now. They won't include the fact that everybody was so twisted up with their Trump derangement syndrome that they wouldn't accept what was the most likely case a cause of this whole thing. Here's what CNN is saying. So this is CNN talking to New York Times' uh, Maggie Haberman. This matters. Understanding where coronavirus and how the pandemic began matters. A lot of the discussion about the lab leak, I think, was clouded early on because there was the suggestion by some that it was somehow a Chinese weapon that, that caused this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lab accident. But we've come a long way from people dismissing this as a conspiracy theory to a lot of people taking this seriously, Maggie. We have, John. And look, I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then-President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab, and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly political i think that it oh, okay was, you know, so there you go so that's that's that was their fault that it was political yes, yes. Ah. so trump didn't release this information even even though without the story that came out over the weekend that the three scientists got sick for instance um u.s intelligence has had this info i don't know why it wasn't released um but even without that most of the smart people I like that were going on and writing about this and going on TV shows thought the most likely thing was it came out of a lab. So now we're trying to twist the story. Well, the the circumstantial case is absolutely enormous. And already, I mean, it was a year ago, and, and we were talking about it. it. It's now just undeniable. And I think the cover-up is the most compelling part of the circumstantial case. China China could affirmatively disprove the lab leak theory and it would take about 48 hours they could eliminate it from consideration by just releasing the records and they haven't why there are two possible answers to my mind and if i'm missing something jack feel free to jump in or you can email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or you can text 415-295-KFTC KFTC the two possible answers are one the coronavirus leaked out of the lab. They were working on the uh, gain-of-function research, making the strongest virus they could to figure out how to fight it. Some technicians were sloppy. They brought it home. That's the obvious explanation. The second explanation is there is something else going on in that lab that is horrendous, and they are so interested in covering it up, they're willing to pass on proving their own innocence. Either way, it's nasty. Right. And so I, I did, I've been taking that as a given for a long time now that it came out of that lab. This new wrinkle of trying to figure out who was behind the cover up of the cover up. Um, what this is kind of interesting. So, so the claim that the Trump administration was holding back on blaming China for the virus. Well, that's a new take. That is not where we were a year ago on this. That's working pretty hard to protect your viewers' egos well, as by you feeding ju- them bull crap. As you just heard there from that CNN anchor, you know, a lot of conspiracy theories. It wasn't a conspiracy theory to think it came out of that lab. That was the most likely thing. They study these diseases right there. And there are stories bouncing around. You can go back and look at them of it being a sloppy lab. 
So, not really that shocked that that's what happened. That's not a conspiracy theory. And the story they trotted out about the wet market is patently ridiculous. There's that. And they won't release any of the records. And they held back on key facts. In fact, lied about them during the, the uh, you know, the origin weeks of this thing. I mean, again, the circumstantial case is just enormous. Do you want to do the Fauci stuff here? Or uh, sure, why not? Do a quick break and come back. Uh, that's probably a good idea. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. Leave, leave them wanting more, as they say in show business. Yeah, Dr. Fauci's flip-flop and Matt Taibbi absolutely lay in the wood to the media over this whole flap. That's coming up in seconds. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out, to the best of our ability, exactly what happened. Ah, that would have been so delightful if we'd played the clips in the right order, but that's fine. That's Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, from days ago, not convinced of the... Uh, natural origin story. Here's the good doctor a year ago in clip 41. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, it's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated the way the mutations have naturally evolved. A number of very qualified evolutionary biologists have said that everything about the stepwise evolution over time strongly indicates that evolved in nature and then jumped species. All right, here's the problem. Well, there are several problems. Number and there you really have to use the right terms when you're having this discussion because there are different ways to quote unquote manipulate a virus in the lab. One is to to mess with its genes and essentially create a virus. The second way is to let it reproduce over and over again, intentionally selecting the 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 new viruses that have certain characteristics you're looking for. It's just like breeding dogs, and they can do that very very quickly in a lab because of the way viruses reproduce, and so. If you do that, that's quote-unquote, is it manipulating a virus, or is it just, well, it is in a way. But so early on, a lot of the scientists responding to the idea that it was like genetically manipulated as opposed to superbred. So yeah, the, the genetic evolution that Fauci was talking about there, it looked natural, because it was semi-natural. Anyway, Matt Taibbi with a uh, piece at Substack, um, I've subscribed to it, one of the very few. Uh, I now have, I believe, 1.5 million different subscriptions, and they cost all of my money. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the point of his piece is actually bashing fact-checking, which I absolutely love. But he does spend some time on the lab leak thing. He says, the news business just can't stop clowning itself. The latest indignity is an international fact-checking debacle originating of all places at a festival of fact-checking, which was some idiotic thing featuring CNN people uh, the other day. During that confab, PolitiFact's Katie Sanders asked Dr. Fauci, are you still confident that COVID-19 developed naturally? To which uh, the doctor replied, the, the first clip we played, no, I'm not convinced of that, going on to say we should continue to investigate all hypotheses about the, how the pandemic began. 
Uh, and he mentions the conservatives quick to point out the, the flip flop. Um, Donald Trump administration anxious to point a finger at China. Mike Pompeo went so far as to say there was enormous evidence the disease had been created at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, Got to be careful with that word created. created. Right, right. It was created by nature. Well, right. And then enhanced in a lab, I believe, for the purposes of studying it. Yeah, I, I, that would be my guess, too. Yeah. Yeah, because they have a terrible problem with, with bat-borne coronaviruses I he, in China. He should have said escaped from instead of created by. Right, right. But Fauci's new quote about not being convinced that COVID-19 has natural origins is becoming part of what's a rather ostentatious change of heart within officialdom of, about the viability of the so-called lab origin hypothesis. Through 2020, officials and mainstream press shut down most every discussion on that score. Remember, they silenced the conversation because that was so dangerous and, and, and untrue. We won't even let you talk about it. Oh, that's good. You know what's dangerous? Jumping to conclusions about what a story is, which in turn leads to carrying water for the Chinese Communist Party. That's brilliantly said. Reporters were heavily influenced by a group of a group letter signed by 27 eminent virologists in the Lancet last February. Can you imagine making a strong pronouncement about anything related to COVID-19 last February? How wow. irresponsible that is. In which the author said they, quote, strongly condemn conspiracy theories, suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. That has nothing to do with the lab leak theory. Nothing. Our analyses clearly show that SARS-CoV-2 is not a laboratory construct. Didn't claim it was. The consensus was so strong that some well-known voices saw social media accounts suspended or closed for speculating about COVID-19 having, quote, a lab origin. One of those was University of Hong Kong virologist Dr. Lee Meng Yan, who was on Tucker Carlson's show. After that appearance, PolitiFact uh, gave the statement its dreaded pants-on-fire rating. About a half year later, the WHO made a visit to China. They left with many doubts. From there came a procession of scientists demanding that the lab origin possibility be taken seriously, including a letter signed by 18 experts in science. When the Wall Street Journal came out with a story that a previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence report detailed three Wuhan researchers becoming sick enough to be hospitalized in November 19, we talked about that yesterday, the toothpaste was fully out of the tube. There was no longer any way to say the lab origin hypothesis was too silly to be reported on. That's not to say it's correct, but he says that's irrelevant to the issue at hand. Despite what you might you might have been led to believe, fact checkers don't exist to get things right 100% of the time. They're there as a threadbare last-ditch safety mechanism, which news organizations employ as a means of preventing public face plants. Yeah, man, oh, man. I, I, I wish more people would pay attention to this because we should get... Uh... You know, we should come up with the idea that we're we're going to allow conversation around things that aren't known to try to get to the truth. That's the way it should work in a free market of ideas and everything. I would say, yeah, this is the culture of free speech, not not the First Amendment, not Congress shall pass no law. It's the culture of the right to consider and discuss things. It's critically important. Armstrong and Getty. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. 
That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's really a lot like a chocolate-covered potato chip. It's really crunchy because we air fry them. So we clean them first, then we air fry them, and then we dip them in chocolate, and you can sprinkle whatever spice you want on top. Stop eating bugs! <laughs> bug like eaters. Acting like it's a big deal. You ate a bug. Don't eat bugs unless you're poor, really poor. <laughs> Yikes. Eat McDonald's or something out of a bag. <laughs> there you go. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. One more note. I had a whole plate full of bugs in Mexico one time, and they were just like they were described there. They were crunchy and salty and whatever. I didn't know I was eating a plate full of bugs until they told me, but they're just crunchy and What sort salty. of bugs? All kinds of bugs. Really? The mixed it, bug platter? It was a mixed bug platter, <laughs> which I didn't know until the, 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 the Mexican dude running the restaurant came out laughingly. He was the only person around that spoke English and told me what I was eating. Um, and it was fine. It, you, it's, 
You served them at your restaurant. Why are you laughing at me for ordering something on your menu? <laughs> if you fry anything up, it tastes like fried right. stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. we all know that. Yeah. It tastes like fried. Yay. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so one more note on the whole COVID thing, and then we'll we'll move on more or less. Of the 27 scientists signing the open letter condemning the conspiracy theories last year, uh, several of them have now approached the Wall Street Journal and said, like Bernard Roisman, who is one of the signers, University of Chicago virologist, said, I'm convinced that what happened is that the virus was brought to a lab, they started to work with it, and some sloppy individual brought it out. They can't admit they did something so stupid. And this was one of the guys who signed the conspiracy theory letter last year. The problem is, and, and Positive Sean was talking about this during the, the break, it's important you understand what the other person means by, you know, did they work with it? Did they manipulate it? Did they gene splice it? Did they, well, you're responding to what people, not to what people mean. And that was the origin because everyone of so much of the, the, the stupid fact checking and quashing of social media accounts and the rest of it, people are so freaking obsessed with Trump. They didn't pause to say, what do you mean by that? They just jerked their knees. Anyway, that's enough of that. The next big thing in fashion? I know Joe's into this. Oh, yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. The next big thing in fashion? Not washing your clothes. Ah, what? Fighting years of cultural conditioning. That's the next big thing. Uh, This author says, I've been wearing the same black T-shirt every single day for two weeks now, and I haven't washed it yet. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. I may hold off washing this T-shirt for another few weeks. It miraculously looks and smells like it was just cleaned. It's a $65 T-shirt made up by a startup called Unbound Merino, founded in 2016, that creates wool travel clothes that could go for weeks without being washed. And the idea of not washing... (laughs) A wool T-shirt? Wool! That's funny. Uh, the idea of uh, not washing your clothes is you don't use as much water and detergent and all that sort of stuff. This is environmentally yeah. driven. Okay. Right. Shut up. Unbound, this company is part of a broader wave of startups designing clothes that require less laundering. An eco-friendly brand called Pengaya, uh, which launched... <laughs> Do you have to say it like that? <laughs> which launched late last year. And already count celebrities like Jaden Smith and Justin Bieber as fans. Creates an $85 seaweed fiber t-shirt yes. that are treated yes. with peppermint oil to keep the shirts fresher longer between washes. I believe yes. famous millionaires would like $85 t-shirts. I, I have no trouble believing that. The brand estimates that this Where will save... Wear your peppermint uh, seaweed t-shirt tonight, honey. The brand estimates that this will save about 3,000 liters of water over the course of a lifetime compared to a regular cotton t-shirt. Um, there's a menswear label named Wool and Prince. Wool and Prince. Which creates everything from $128 Oxford shirts to $40, yes. $42 boxer briefs out of wool. wool. Treat, yourself, <laughs> treat yourself right. <laughs> Buy a $2,800 dress shirt. So that all started back when we decided that dumb people start sentences with wool. Wool. Wool, I think we should. Right. It's a sign of the dumb. No mm-hmm. doubt. This seems like a... Well, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? (laughs) Whoa. 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 (laughs) Are they targeting cold weather communities with this? Because the the not washing uh, leads me to believe it's better if you don't sweat. And the fact that these are all (laughs) wool-based. If any sort of beach climate, this is a disaster. (laughs) 
Please. Yeah, yeah. try to sell these things in Memphis. <laughs> uh, last year, the company launched a uh, sister women's wear brand for, uh, for women that makes dresses that can be worn for 100 days straight without washing. Eee! Hmm, funky. No, uh, no offense, uh, but as I nuzzle up next to you, have you been wearing this dress for a hundred straight days without washing <laughs> An aggressive it? aggressive scent. it kind of like, seems like it could walk out of the room on its own. Can I date the dress? Well, I, the dress and I will go out. You can stay home. I got a couple of pairs of, like, wool socks. They're wool blend <gasps> socks. That's right. Well, um... And and they are remarkable. I just changed them. I mean, they're the sort of socks that, like, uh, when we used to drive up to the mountain house, I'd throw them on at O'Dark 30 before doing the radio show, then race home, then Judy and I would drive up to the mountains, we'd do our thing, we'd walk back, sir, we'd go to sleep, I'd sleep with the socks on, I'd get up the next morning, throw on my hiking boots, still with the socks on. I just, I changed them because I got tired of them. Mm. They were amazing. They didn't get that weird... Uh, how would you describe that feeling of socks that really need to be changed? They're yeah. kind of stiff and gross and cling to your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say stuck to your foot. Yeah. That's that's yeah. when I know. Not um, good. I would pay $85 for a shirt I don't have to wash, but like once a month. That'd be pretty handy. That'd be worth a fair amount of labor and effort to me. Yeah, I just can't imagine it. I, I sweat. I sweat a, a, a fair amount in I don't, I warm just, weather. I'll just buy one of these and try it out and see if I think it actually works. I, I'm going to buy one. I'll buy one and I'll do the experiment. Uh, All right. What's the brand? How long are you going to go? Unbound. Pengaya, as I recall. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the right. one you need to go for. Yeah, Pengaya, the $85 seaweed fiber T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, with the peppermint. Get it with the peppermint. Please. <laughs> So, this is a story about the... Hey, you smell like a candy cane, Jack. How long <laughs> since you washed your shirt? You smell like a combination of, I don't know, the ocean, uh, uh, peppermint, and armpit. Yeah. 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 Be, How you like me now? Be careful starting conversation <laughs> with strangers uh, with the line, when do you think I last washed this yeah. shirt? You know how long it's been since I washed this shirt? You'll You're be shocked. you going to be amazed. Whatever <laughs> you guess, it's higher than that. Wait for the elevator door to close before you start that. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, so have a WNBA story coming up. It's uh, it's dangerously close to the tree falling in the forest. Uh, okay, I want to hear nobody that. Nobody hearing it, but... Uh, Do we have a, a little of a certain steroid-bound man speaking Mandarin? Here you go. So what the hell is that? That is WWE superstar John Cena bowing to China because he made the mistake of referring to Taiwan as a country recently. Oh, my. It's my understanding that Taiwan is a country. Taiwan is a country, and the United States recognizes it as a country. But uh, John Cena said, I made a mistake. I have to say something very, very important now. He speaks Mandarin, apparently. Um, I love and respect China and the Chinese people. I'm very, very sorry about my mistake. So that's where we are in the world right now. Uh, WWE superstar who's making gazillions of dollars off of China. And Accent. Fast and Furious star now, right? Yeah, he's, oh, that's he's, right. Furious the interview movies. was promoting the Fast yes. and Furious thing. So, yeah, this is about box office receipts. Right, yeah. and so had to you know pretend it was a mistake to refer to Taiwan, which is a country, as a country. Right, so if you were wondering whether Hollywood or American corporations or the WHO or name it would ever stand up to China, there's your answer. I was there's a great new podcast that a buddy of mine turned me on to called China Unscripted. 
Hmm. Um, and it's got a, it's the, improv games. <laughs> Give it's me a, a place. It's a bunch of smart Beijing. people interviewing the smartest people in the world about China. And um, I was listening to the episode yesterday on how far down the road China is on taking back Taiwan. And they're just they're, they're wargaming for it constantly, constantly. That's all they do is prepare for when they are going to invade Taiwan and take on the United States. That is, then it's just a matter of, is it next year or six years from now? They're guessing in the next six years sometime hmm. uh, that China moves on Taiwan because it's so important to them. Yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining the, the, the uh, you know, the opposite. Yeah, which is interesting. It gets into it, and I don't remember how this topic started. I was listening to another podcast where somebody was making the claim of, um, Countries always act in their best economic interest. And so this is how you can convince a country to do this or that or this or that with tax incentives and all kinds of different things. Um, um, uh, what, are, what, are, what, are, what do you call when you're putting a tax on a country, basically? A tariff. Uh, mm-hmm. Tariffs and that sort of stuff. And they used Taiwan as an example of how that's just not true. China does things all the time that are not in their best interests because they have a, they have, you know, deep seated ancient needs. That they're trying to fulfill. Sure. Yeah, tariffs and economic incentives and disincentives, they're a lever, but they're not every lever. No, they're, they're not the only lever. If their only goal was to become the dominant economy in the on the planet, they wouldn't be spending all their military might on trying to take back Taiwan. No, no that's that's got something to do with all kinds of other things. Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent point. But they'll be moving sooner or later, and I I don't think we're going to do much, honestly. One one other point from the podcast, and we've talked about this a lot, and I won't belabor it since we have talked about it a lot, but another expert making it clear that anybody in the world who does not grasp that there's no such thing as a private company in China needs to wake the freak up. But there's lots of, there's, there, there, there are states in the United States that do business with, uh, Chinese company thinking, well, they're separate. They're a private company. No, they are the Communist Party. Even if they're a private company and they're working every day to try to make a profit, the Chinese Communist Party has access to all their information and can jerk them around at will. Right. There's no such thing as a uh, company that's not tied into the the Communist Party in China. And final, final note, there are a lot of American pension funds and government entities that are invested in Chinese companies that are perpetuating the surveillance state and the oppression state. They're perpetuating slavery right now. Even as they claim wokeness, they're invested in slave plantations. So it's a hell of a deal. I'm going to get an extra medium Pangaea t-shirt that you never wash. So it's going to be really tight. And I'm never going to wash it. And I'm going to see how that goes. Good Lord. I'll report back. Yeah. I'm complaining to HR. I don't know Is about, there HR anymore? I don't know about the wool boxer briefs I don't wash. Oh, I'm not willing to no, do that experiment. No, it's just, no, that one no. seems a little weird. Uh. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Shocking news out of Eastern Europe because yesterday, Belarus forced a commercial plane to land so they could seize a dissident. Now, there was some warning for the passengers. The pilot had turned on the no opposition to murderous dictator light. That is an interesting story. Yeah, the joke was terrible. The story's amazing. Oh, yeah. 
So uh, they forced this plane down? Yeah, the Belarusian dictator is a maniac. I don't recall his name right now. He's he's a strong man in the Eastern European tradition. But they got word that uh, this dissident journalist was on that plane flying uh, across Belarusian airspace. It didn't originate in their country. It wasn't going to their country. But he scrambled a fighter jet and forced the plane down in Belarus territory and snatched up this journalist and whisked him off to God knows what horrible fate. And then uh, turn the plane loose. And the EU is going crazy over this. It's a Ryanair flight, a commercial flight. Um, And the Atlantic, uh, their headline about it is, Other regimes will hijack planes too. If Belarus gets away with it, authoritarian dictators around the world will have a new tool of oppression. Have you seen? Are you familiar with those? Lukashenko is the guy's name. The, yeah. Like the, you can pull up the websites that show you every plane that's in the air at any mm-hmm. given time. If yeah, you pull it's up that map yeah. now, there is like a a halo of an area above Belarus. Planes are not flying over it right now. It reminds me of when uh, Putin and his little green men brought down that uh, that airplane flying over Ukraine. Terrible, terrible. Anyway, on a lighter note, Connecticut's son, general manager and coach Kurt, coach Kurt Miller. This is the WNBA. Trust me, it's worth... Th- th- stop tooting out! Oh, they're all gone. We lost all they our all listeners. All you said was WNBA. Now we have no one listening. Click! <laughs> we can just talk amongst ourselves and... Drop, drop F-bombs. Sure. Sure, if you want. Or just yeah. sit here and read. Nobody's listening anymore. Sorry. So, uh, sorry, WNBA fans. So the Connecticut Sun general manager and coach has been fined $10,000 and will be suspended one game. For a comment he made about Las Vegas Aces star Liz Cambage on Sunday. So what happened, and the, the description is a little sketchy here. There was a foul call. I have a feeling it was like jockeying for position for a rebound. And and one of his smaller players got called for, uh, for pushing against this Cambage woman. And as the ref is coming over to the table to show his fingers and everything, Miller said, oh, come on. She's 300 pounds. And evidently, because they're women or something, you can't say that. And everybody went crazy. In her Instagram post, Cambridge corrected him saying, I'm six foot eight, 235, which is granted far less than 300 pounds. Uh, but, but come on, I mean, we all know what the point is if a coach says that sort of thing. And she's very proud of being a big biatch, she says. I, and then, here's where it gets really interesting. I will never let a man disrespect me, ever, 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 especially a little white one. Okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. And who's getting suspended and fined? Yeah. The coach who was arguing with the ref and 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 claims she's a little heavier than she is. No, he's fine. The gal who goes racial is not. Don't ever try to disrespect me and another woman in the league. And and this guy's mewling, kneeling apology is just insufferable. Well, he, he wants to keep his job. I get yeah, that. Yeah, he does. I get yeah, that. Yeah, he does. Yep. Uh, what's interesting to me is that and and obviously. Calling a woman three hundred pounds when she's not is rude. No, but that but that was, that has nothing stupid. to do with it. The point was, hey, but rude she's, and stupid is not outlawed in sports. And she's so big, she's this this is causing this reaction on the floor. That was right. the point. And, and and I also think it's interesting that a not only a woman but a big, strong, best in the world at her gig star in her field woman is so delicate she can't take a little rude John. 
on the court. And and the guy has to be fined for claiming she's somewhat heavier than she is. Nice job, WNBA. Way to become even less relevant. Wow. <laughs> Why'd you have to go there? And if you're a fan of it, great. But on the cultural landscape, it's it's just not a big yeah, thing. The, the, the sports thing is weird, though. Um as we've pointed out many times throughout the, the years, people will watch men's NBA basketball, but not very many people watch women's um, professional basketball. But it's the same in high school and college, most places. Way more people show up for the boys' you know, high school team than the girls' high school team. Mm-hmm. Well, the WNBA is in a completely different league, if you'll pardon the expression, than boys' high school basketball. Sure, But because it's the boys at that level, you watch the boys and not the girls. So it's not the quality of the play. There's, not there's, exactly. There's something else going on. Well, if you're looking for high school basketball, the boys is the best basketball or, you're going to watch. Or take it to college. You don't even need to take it that far. Way more right. people watch the men college players than the female college players. Right. And if you're looking for professional basketball, the, the, the NBA is much better basketball but, than the WNBA. Uh, Although the WNBA, they are incredibly good basketball. Oh, players. unbelievable! Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the women's tennis and women's soccer, both wildly more popular. Good point. Uh, in American good viewing point. habits and stuff like that, so it's not strictly just a gender. That's a good point. Thing. That's a good point. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. Sometimes it's just the stars you have. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cute our, girls in shorts. Our women's soccer team is the best in the world. Our men's is that makes not. that makes a difference. Yeah, that does make a difference. You know, I was going to get this uh, get to this story. This posh forty seven thousand dollar a year Manhattan school teaching a class on porn literacy. Just mm. astounding. Why? Ay ay ay. What's that's the- a good question. I can't even read most of this story. The things the kids were being taught. Why do you need to know that? Good question. They sh- they thought they were showing up for the health and sexuality workshop. They're going to learn about condoms and birth control. Instead, they get pornography literacy and intersectional focus on mainstream porn. Well, there, there's the headline on the story you just did. WNBA coach suspended after body shaming a player. Wow. That is unbelievable. Way to prove you're strong and independent. How close to her actual weight would he had to have been to not be in trouble? Come on. She's 238. <laughs> She's 235. Would that get the suspension? (laughs) Any mention at all? Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. 
I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.